listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 I didn't think I put a jinx on him saying Trevor Lawrence wasn't as good. But uh, (laughs) he's got some trouble. Yeah, and he tested positive for uh, the coronavirus. That came out, so he will miss this weekend's game. I have not seen an update as far as next week goes, but as it stands right now, the consensus number one pick in next year's draft, if he does decide to come out, uh, is going to be out for Clemson this week. Overrated, but still. (laughs) Probably going to be the number one pick, or I think almost certainly the number one pick. So, Jonas, what are – I know there's a lot of talk in the Big Ten – and Wisconsin, and, oh, it's 21 days, it's this, it's that. Does the ACC have a strict guidelines, or what would your guess be? Regard And I guess you're saying it's still even possible he's back next week. Yeah, there's a possibility. Now, I've seen a couple of different reports that have been out there to where they think it's a long shot, because next week's game, and we alluded to it yesterday, is the one at Notre Dame. So that's the big one, and it feels like they're not sure whether or not he's going to be cleared for that. But the Big Ten's rules are much more strict to where I think it's 21 days. Uh, you've got to be out if I have that number correct. I think it's 21 days in the Big Ten. So because he's in the ACC, it saves them a little bit, but it still puts them in trouble against Notre Dame next week, which is really, if you look at the rest of their schedule, they got Florida State, they got Pitt, they got Virginia Tech. The one next week against Notre Dame is the real threat to to potentially cause them to not make a run at the college football playoff. Yeah, we're talking about the playoffs, right? Because I don't think a team with the fewer games is going to be able to lose a game. Maybe, but you know, and maybe they would give uh, an accommodation. That's a great point. That'd be very interesting. That'd be very interesting. So, my only main thought on this, other than to wish Trevor Lawrence, you know, a speedy recovery, is if we judge this against the historical normal. We're like, oh, come on, another guy. Jeez. And I get it, right? But remember, it wasn't that long ago we didn't think there'd be any college football. So to me, rolling with the punches here, it's it's kind of like the when the electricity goes out, the first hour you're complaining. Then if someone says, oh, hey, I've got a battery, we can listen to the transistor radio, you know what? I'm happy at that point if it's a transistor radio. And as much as obviously each individual that uh, gets COVID, it, it's you know a burden and a struggle, and we wish them the best. But looking at it across sports, the whole landscape, I think we should be appreciative because it wasn't that long ago. Not only we didn't know we'd have college football, we didn't have anything except Fez. You were betting the heck out of Korean table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Fred out of Vegas. Fred out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, RJ, let's get it started, and we will start in Detroit where the Lions are hosting the Indianapolis Colts right now, and the Colts on pregame.com are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, two quickies on this one. One, Colts have the worst strength of schedule of games played based on football outsiders of any team. The worst, number 32. Think about what's the Colts' best win. So a lot of good talk about the Colts, but I'm not impressed yet. Remember, Cleveland handled them with no problem. Number two, Detroit. You could say, yeah, not great. Ah, 
Patricia, boo. But they made some trades. They made some moves and took on money. And remember, during the trading time, the teams are telling you, are they buying or are they selling? If they sell, the team gets demoralized oftentimes, at least for a week or two. Detroit is buying. I don't think that's something you can ignore. And I'm on the Detroit Lions. Oh, whoa. 0-2 without their stud wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Since Galladay has come back, Detroit is 3-1, and scoring six more points per game. Wow, concise, Faz, concise. To the NFC North we stay. We go to Green Bay this time where it's the Vikings at the Packers. Right now on pregame.com, Green Bay, six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think you can question rightfully the motivation in this game. We know that Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers is hit or miss. We know that after they got embarrassed, they stepped up and covered and played well. Will they play well this week? I really don't know. What I will say is, and this shocked me as I really dug into the numbers, Minnesota, who's had obviously a very underwhelming season. They've fallen far short of expectations of their fans, of batters, but they've actually been lucky. So what is lucky? Okay, third down conversions, if you're converting a lot of third downs more than you should based on your offensive skill set or your performance across all downs, that usually evens out. Turnovers, if to your benefit, they even out, at least closer to even, like fumble luck, for example. Also, strength of schedule, there's all these factors that create situations where a team, maybe you play a backup quarterback a couple times in a month. Though the team would be, t- imagine playing Dallas now versus playing mm. just not that long ago with Dak. But when you add it all up, and I won't bore you with a bunch of numbers on the radio, but when you add it all up, Minnesota has a horrible record. But amazingly, they've been lucky. That doesn't bode well for the Vikings. The Patriots are at the Bills right now. Buffalo, a three and a half point favorite. Here's my analogy with the Patriots. And really, it's an analogy with the Bills. I don't know if you guys watched Beverly Hills 90210 back in the day. I'm talking about the 90s version. Is Brandon Walsh was dating a girl for a while named Emily Valentine. She was a wild child, Emily Valentine. Did you ever see Emily, Jonas? Uh, I don't uh, recall. A little before your time. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Is they ended up, Emily was from out of town. She played the guitar. And you know what happened? At one point, she did drugs. And everyone on the show got upset. And then they broke up, Brandon and her. And you know what? Emily went and brought a cake and put it in front of his doorstep. And Brenda said, oh, don't eat that cake. There could be ecstasy in it. All right. That was a long way to go to this. The bills are the cake. Okay. And they're looking at it saying, huh, this seems cheap. A free cake, for example. The bills are cheap right now at the current line. And you might think, I want to gobble up some bills at three and a half, let's say. But everyone's waiting because they're saying, I wonder if any dogs have touched this cake. Or I want... And at some point, they're going to take a big bite because they're going to get hungry enough. And I see this line moving up, Feds, but there's no reason for it to move up now and not a couple days ago. I just think everyone is scared that Belichick is wounded, almost like a cake. And, well, he's like the guy in the bushes that's going to come out when you grab the cake and smack your hand or something. And I really believe this. If it wasn't Belichick, if this was just a blind um, 
you know, resume kind of thing. The Bills might be favored by six, six and a half in this game. What do you? I mean, what do you think, Fez? I'm on the Buffalo Bills. Oh. I'll take a bite of the cake. <laughs> I think that the Bills are undervalued here. They only beat the Jets 18 to 10, but the Bills kicked six field goals. If they had just scored three touchdowns instead of six, they would have blown out the Jets. And I think the Bills are undervalued based upon a phony final. Yeah, I tell you, though, Matty Holt, who's here every Wednesday, he loves the Bills. Uh-oh. He's gotten skeptical on them. Their defense is really banged up. So, I think the thing about the Patriots, last week was the perfect dream spot. It really was. Not only was it off of two losses, not only were they below 500, the extra motivation— off an embarrassing loss the week before to Denver as a touchdown plus favor. But it was even more than that. They had the scheme that keep in front of you Seattle defense. The Belichick usually, and again, San Fran runs that, usually New England tears it up. And then finally, you had Cam that only practiced twice in some extended period. So you think, oh, they look bad for a reason. And you know what? None of that mattered. And you know what? It wasn't just Cam that looked bad. The defense looked bad, and the effort was questionable on D. I'm not biting the cake because Belichick scares me, but the cake is out there, and it looks scrum delicious. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We will get to the Titans, Bengals, and Raiders, Browns coming up later on before the end of the hour. But from there, we go to Kansas City, where right now the Chiefs on pregame.com are a 19.5-point favorite hosting the Jets. So other than the 2019 Miami Dolphins, this is the biggest line of any NFL game since 2013. I mean, this isn't like, oh, every day – you're going to get a line of 19 and a half. Personally, I can't play either side. On one hand, Kansas City is the ultimate flip the switch team. And if there's ever a time to keep the switch off until maybe you need to, it's this game. And number two, though, I can't play the Jets because they're shockingly bad. I mean, entering the year, Fez, the Jets were what? 22nd, 23rd ranked based on... Uh, the the win totals? Yeah, they were supposed to win seven games. Crazy. And I'll tell you something right now. If you look at the numbers, and on some numbers this is true, the distance from number 32, the Jets, to number 31, Jacksonville, that distance is literally the same as Jacksonville to the number 16 team. An average team to the number 31 team is about the same distance statistically as 31 to 32. That's how bad the Jets are. I'm actually laying the 19 out. This is my number seven pick. (laughs) I went back and watched that Jets game. The Jets got four yards in the second half. I've never seen such a dysfunctional (laughs) football team. I'm laying it, RJ. You forget, though, he had... The kissing disease. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that Sam Darnold's recovered from mono, so don't judge him, Fez. <laughs> By the way, 
If you ever wondered the genius of the bet I made against Fez, the fact he's laying almost 20 <laughs> points is proof positive. That the fact that the game hasn't kicked off yet and you're already down 20, that's just, <laughs> uh, a very humbling feeling. RJ, it's the debut of Tua Tagovailoa's first ever NFL start. He played a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but it's the Dolphins hosting the Rams as we continue on here, where right now the L.A. Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. I acquire aggregate information, and I like to give credit where credit's due. The Ringer Football Podcast had this, and when I heard it, I called a friend of mine who played in the league, and they said, absolutely. Left-handed quarterbacks, there's a reason you don't see them, because it's an entirely different you know, direction. Literally, the blind side is opposite, and everything, strong side, all those kind of uh, football-esque X's and O's things flip 180. The word up, up is down, down is up. And I believe that Tua, or some would say Tua, in the long term, in the midterm, even in five weeks, is going to be right there, potentially as good as Fitzmagic. But right now, especially even after the bye in week one of his starting with that left-handed quarterback situation, I think this is tougher for a first-time starter than any right-hander, and it's not being accounted for properly. Anything in this game, Fez? I'm passing it, but you know, since Byron Jones came I back, I thought you love you love the Rams. The line came down to three. Ah, um, I, Byron Jones has really made a difference for the defense for Miami. Byron Jones made a difference. He's just throwing in like nuggets, <laughs> dropping gold at, the, at their feet. The LA Chargers are a three-point favorite at the Broncos. I want to think about how much respect. I like to say every spread tells a story. Now think about the respect that the Chargers are getting here. So I would make the case in Denver with the altitude, two points for home field. Yes. You accept that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it would be about a four-point swing. Let's just go broadly here. So if this game were in Los Angeles... The line would be over a touchdown, right? Well, I guess now, huh, we're at three. What's the current number on this, right? Three. Chargers land three. The Chargers are laying three, so you go four and four. Yeah, we'd be at a touchdown, right? If it's two points one way, two points the other. Mm -hmm. So, meaning if you sw swapped home. Could you imagine if the—I uh, guess the question is, Why? I tend to agree with it. I think the Chargers are sneaky good. But back even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they would have looked at these teams and said, ah, same record. Yeah, maybe Chargers a little better because Herbert's better than Locke. Okay, no. They're saying that at Denver, this team with two wins is a three-point favorite. That's a ton of Chargers respect, and it shows you how sharp the market is these days. I mean... Even if the line doesn't make sense, they're still going to do it if they know it's right. To Chicago we go where the Saints are at the Bears, and New Orleans is a five-point favorite. This is a fez, and you don't have this pick, so I'm going to use it with attribution. This is a great point. The wind is whipping. And as we talk about, wind is much more of an impediment to offenses than cold, than particip uh, rain, Snow, sleet, any of that's fine relative to wind. So you're thinking, okay, it's windy. Doesn't that hurt noodle arm with the Saints? Okay, maybe. 
But what we know for sure is it hurts all passing teams. And you think, well, the Bears, they can run the ball. As Fez really points out, if you look at the Bears' efficiency rushing, it's horrendous. This is one of the most dependent teams on the pass, the Bears. One of the most dependent teams on the pass in the entire NFL. So now you got weather that's going to make it very hard to pass. I don't care about the noodle arm. What I know, you got Kamara, you got playmakers, and you got a brilliant tactician with Sean Payton that can use the wind to their advantage or at least mitigate the hindrance. So, Fez, great handicapping tidbit there. I lean towards the Saints. Colin and I talked about this on his pod today. Is if you look at the Saints, because it's going to be November 1st. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, the Saints have that great record in November. But if you actually look at week seven, eight, and nine, which is fair, I think, Saints' record is just as good. It's shockingly good. So in general, this is the time of year that the Saints excel. And I believe the win has a sneaky disadvantage for the Bears. 49ers at the Seahawks. Seattle is a three point favorite. You know, Jonas, he was nodding like, hmm, makes sense. He's like, it's your information. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's he just giving it this like great nod like, man, that's smart stuff. It's like, it's your own stuff, Steve. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. Here's the thing. Seattle is the most overrated team in the NFL, in my opinion. But I don't know what the combination of injuries and fatigue is going to do to the 49ers. And the 49ers have been clawing and scraping, and then they dominate the Pats, and everyone's like, they're back. They dominate the Rams. Okay, fine. But at what point is there a letdown? Seattle had a tough game last week, but they lost. So in theory, they're extra focused. My instinct says, go San Fran. But as the week has progressed, I've gotten apprehensive about it. You got anything on this, Steve? The more I think about it, why didn't I bet San Fran plus three last week? Why would I bet them plus three at a much, much better team, Seattle versus New England? Well, I, I did bet it last week, and I, it was my, one of my best bets. But, you know, I'll let you have my picks. It's only you know, a couple hundred bucks a week. No big deal. But the amount you bet, it's going to be fine. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We continue our preview of the NFL this weekend, Vegas style, and we start, RJ, in primetime where the NFC East will be showcased. It's the Eagles, an 11-point favorite on pregame.com, hosting the Cowboys. Now, a lot of people might say, why wasn't this game flexed out? Well, you think about it. When you drive by a wreck on the highway, do you look? (laughs) Always. So... Here's what I'll say. I don't like that it's now in double digits, but I like the Eagles. And I think in the Super Contest, it's almost certain we'll have the Eagles. And here's why. When you bet on a big underdog, you're usually not betting that that underdog's better than you think or is going to play well. You're betting the favorite is not going to put in maximum effort. But whenever you got a favorite who puts in maximum effort, like in the playoffs, when you have a big favorite or a road favorite off a bye, those teams do exceptionally well. Philadelphia will have maximum effort, no doubt about it. So I certainly would not be playing Dallas. I have to play Dallas. Yes. Plus the 11. Oh, yes. 11, RJ. This line was seven and a half earlier in the week. Philly well, they, on they, offense. They thought Andy Dalton was going to play. 
I don't think many thought he was going to play. Philly on offense. Thank you, Dr. Fazek. Thank you. <laughs> they, they only have two healthy starters left on offense. They might get a couple guys back. I'm going to take the value in Dallas. There is no value. It's the wrong side. In fact, let's double. Let's do an extra bet on that one. <laughs> Wait, nine though, right? It's Eleven. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. So RJ, following their big come from behind win over the Cincinnati Bengals last week, it is the Cleveland Browns at home hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. Cleveland is a two and a half point favorite. Just to let you know, Jonas is Fez like the somehow coincidentally like the Browns also, and. He wanted that to be his best bet. But I thought, I'm going to throw him. I'm going to rattle him. And I took it from him. So now he's having to do another best bet. <laughs> so get ready for that. It could be like a wreck on the highway kind of thing. This is the stat. If you look at expected points added, and then you look at it with in addition to the expected completion rate. So two stats are added together by a lot of analytics people and they get a composite number. And it's a great judge of how good the quarterback is just in a simple sense. So right now, you look at all games, Russell Wilson, or all elements of the game, all games, Russell Wilson is number one, Tannehill is number two, and Baker Mayfield is number 17. Okay, sounds about right. But I got to thinking, Boy, Baker plays bad when he's behind. So I did a search, and I said, I want to see only plays that happened when the team has either better than a 20% chance to win or less than 80. So effectively, it's in the middle where it's a competitive game. If you're up in the 90s, doesn't count. Game's over. If you're down in the teens, tens, doesn't count. Game's pretty much over. Just when the game is competitive. So it's like 70% of the snaps for a typical team. Yes, it's true. The number one quarterback in the NFL under that criteria when it's a competitive game is Baker No Mayfield. way. Yeah. I'm going to put the stats up to the, pen, to the decimal up on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. I'll do that within an hour. So. I'll do it Saturday morning, actually. Get bigger audience. This is a shocker. So I love the Browns. I love it at two and a half. This is like that cake, but it's been guarded by the Secret Service. It's so much value, so delicious. One of my top five picks of the year, Browns. And I like the Browns also, and I like the fact the Raiders can't rush the passer. They're a bottom three team in sacks. And what's the one thing we worry about Baker when he gets rushed? (sighs) It's a lot of coincidences, guys. But listen— Let's just say this. You might as well emulate from your heroes. The Titans are at the Bengals, and Tennessee is a seven-point favorite on pregame.com. And this is my best bet, Cincinnati plus seven. The Titans are overrated. They're five and one, but they're only my number 13 team. The Titans have four close wins versus losing teams that could have gone either way. And just last week, we saw the Titans go plus three in turnovers against the Steelers in a tough physical game. And frankly, it was only that close because of those turnovers. I want to bet against the Titans. I'm going to take the line value and the Bengals plus the seven. I got to tell you, this was one of Fez's. Yesterday, he had a strong show. Today, he had a strong show. I mean, I'm not sure that this hasn't been his two strongest <laughs> shows. All he's got to do is get lucky and win a few games, and he's just ecstatic. Kudos. And Jonas, I would say this nobody 
packs as much in the show as we just did. And I'm excited to do it again next week. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.